This is Daf Vav in Masechet Megillah. We will begin on Daf Hey Amud Bet, four lines from the bottom of the Amud. Ravasi, Karei Megillah Bhutzal, Barbesar Uvachamesar. Ravasi and Hutzal would read the Megillah on the 14th and the 15th, meaning he was in doubt. He wasn't sure whether it was a city that was surrounded by a wall in the times of Yoshua bin Nun or not, and therefore he, to cover both of his both possibilities, he read the Megillah there both on the 14th and the 15th. Avadar. And, Ikadam Reisam say, Amar Avasi, Hai Hotzal Debet Binyamin, Mukevet Chomamiot Yoshua bin Nun. That, the some say that, no, not that Avasi was in doubt, but actually that he said specifically that Hotzal of the house of Binyamin was in fact a uh, a city that was walled from the times of Yoshua bin Nun and definitely then would read on the 15th and not the 14th. So it's a, di- a difference of opinion about what actually he said and did. Rabbi Yochanan, ki when I was a young child, Rabbi Yochanan said, Amina milta sabaya, I said something that I asked the elders, and it turned out to be like what I said. Chamat, when it, we talk about these various uh, cities uh, that are mentioned in the Pasuk in Yoshua, uh, there, and these are uh, these walled cities, Hatzidim, Tzer, Vechamat, Wakat, Vekineret. These are the walled cities that are mentioned in the Pasuk. So the Gemara, so he said he wanted to identify to what uh, what cities in his time did these cities mentioned in the book of Yoshua correspond. So it said Chamat zo Teveria. When it says Chamat, that's a reference to Teveria. What we know today is Teveria. Chamat. Why was it called Chamat al Shum Chamei Teveria? Chamat is like from Chamei, the hot springs of Teveria. Therefore, it was called Chamat Wakat zo Tzipori. Rakat was Tzipori, meaning the modern day city of Tzipori was Rakat mentioned in the Tanakh. Why was it called Rakat Mishum? Because it was elevated in the same way that the banks of a river are elevated. Kineret. Uh, what is Kineret? Zog Ginosar. That was what was called in the times of the Gemara. Ginosar. Because um, Kineret is from the word Kinor, a harp. And the fruits of Ginosar were as sweet as the sound of a harp, and therefore it was called Kineret. How could it be that according to this, Rakat is not Teveria? According to what Rabbi Yochanan is saying, Rakat is not Teveria, Hamat is Teveria, and, and Rakat is, uh, is Tzipori. But how could that be? But when somebody passes away here, over there they eulogize him like this. He was a great person in Sheshach, meaning he was a great person in Bavel. And he has a name in Rakat, meaning he has a name in Teverga. And when somebody would be brought there, uh, to uh, to be uh, buried, they would say, those who love the remnants, who uh, meaning who love the remnant of Israel, who live in Rakat, meaning who live in Tiveria, um, go and receive those who died in the Omek, in the... Uh, Meaning in the valley, which is a reference to Bavel. So the so in other words, when somebody died in uh, in Bavel, the people in the people in Teveria referred to their own location as Rakat, and uh, and so that's uh, and 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 in Bavel also they referred to the uh, 
they referred to the uh, area of Tiberia as Rakat. So apparently, um, so apparently that shows you, in other words, the, the, that was the, the term Rakat was always used to refer to Tiberia because Tiberia obviously has a large cemetery and a lot of Chachamim were buried there. And so therefore both uh, when they would describe who died and when they would receive the coffin, they would call the area of Tiberia Rakat. So that shows you that Rakat is Tiberia. When Rabbi Zerah passed away, Patach Aleha Husaftana, a certain person who gave eulogies, said as follows: Eretz Shinar Rav Yelada, the land of Shinar, which is referenced to Bavel, was pregnant and bore him. Eretz Tzvi Gidela Shashuaya, the the land of Tzvi, which is a word for Eretz Yisrael, raised or grew its delights. Oy Nala Amra Rakat Ki Avda Klichem Data. Woe now is to it, meaning to Eretz Yisrael, says Rakat, because it is lost, um, because a, a beloved, a cherished vessel has been lost. And Rakat, again, is Tiberia, because that was when they bur- buried most of the Chachamim in Tiberia. El Amar rather Rabba said, it says here, and it says in the side, it should say Rava, but Chamatzo Chamei Gerar. When it says Chamatzo, that's Chamei Gerar, that is not Tiberia, Rakatzo Tiberia. Rakat is really Tiberia. Yeah, Kineret Zogino. Sorry, he agrees that Kineret is Gino. So why then is Tiberia called Rakat? Because even the people who are empty, meaning the lowest level people in in uh, in Tiberia, Malayin Mitzvot Kirimon, they are filled with Mitzvot like a pomegranate. Rabbi Yirmi Amar Rakatshma. Rabbi Yirmi says actually the real name is Rakat. Rakat is not the nickname of Tiberia, but actually the real name is Rakat, and, and Tiberia is a nickname, so why is it called Tiberia? Because it's in the belly of Eretz Yisrael, in the center um, uh, of Eretz Yisrael. And then it is Rava, and here it should say Rava, Rava, Rakat Shema. Really, the name was Rakat, and Tiberia is the nickname, like we said above. Because Tov and Ri'ah, because meaning it looks beautiful, it's a beautiful place. That's why it's called Tiveria, but the real name is Rakat. Amar Zerah said, Kitron Totipori, the biblical city called Kitron, which is in the, the territory of Zivulun, that is Tipori. Why is it called Tipori? Because it's in an elevated area and it sits on top of a mountain, like a bird, but really the name of the place is Kitron. But Kitron Tipori here is really Kitron Tipori. Is that really the same place? But we know that Kitron is in the portion of Zivulun. It says that Zivulun, the tribe of Zivulun did not fully drive out all the Canaanim who lived in Kitron. That shows you that Kitron is part of his territory. And we learned that Zivulun was very upset about the portion of land that they received. It says that Zivulun was, here it's interpreting meaning that they were uh, Extremely upset. Matam, uh, what's the reason? Because the pasuk in uh, in Shirat Vora reads that um, that they were very upset that the people of uh, of Zvulun Amcherif Nafshulamud. Literally, what it means is that they put their themselves in harm's way because they put them. They went to this war and they fought. Uh, in the times of Tvorah. But it's saying that they were very upset. And Naphtali has elevated fields. So the, the Drasha is saying that the reason why Zvulun was very upset was because Naphtali has beautiful fields. Zvulun said before Hashem, Master of the world, You gave my brothers fields and vineyards. And you only gave me 
mountains and, and hills. You didn't give me a place to plant. You gave them nice land. You gave me oceans and, uh, and rivers. Because of the chilazon, because of the special fish or aquatic creature from which the techelet is produced for tzitzit and other things that need to be dyed with the, with the blood of the chilazon, you're going to be very wealthy because of uh, having those bodies of water because that's where the chilazon lives. Because it says nations um, they will call to the, uh, uh, to the mountain this is the bracha of Moshe Rabbeinu to uh, Zivulun. It says, treasures that are hidden treasures in the sand. So, Tanei Rav Yosef, and it says on the side that it should say, Vid Tanei Rav Yosef, What is Sifune? What it talks about the, um, uh, the uh, kinds of uh, hidden treasures. That's a chilazon. That's talking about the aquatic creature from which the tzachiladai is extracted. Timunei, when it talks about the hidden zotarit, this is another kind of a fish that apparently Zvulun would sell and make a lot of money. Chol, And when it says chol in the pasuk, that's talking about the kind of sand from which they would make the white glass that was very expensive. So meaning that Zvulun had plenty of resources. They weren't exactly the resources that Naphtali had, but he had plenty of resources to be, be a wealthy and successful tribe. So, the, so Zvulun still said, Who's going to tell me? Meaning, <clears throat> since my natural resources can be accessed by anybody, how am I going to be able to capitalize on it? Anybody can just go uh, into the water and take a chilazon. How am I going to be able to benefit if I can't control the market? People are going to come take my stuff. That's why in the Bachav Moshe Rabbeinu, it says there they will offer offerings of righteousness. There's a sign that will be for you. Anybody who steals from Zivulun, he's not going to be able to be successful in his business and he won't be able to bring korbanot of tzedek, just korbanot. Now, if you, now, so the main point was we, we got on a, a tangent talking about Zivulun wanting his territory, not being happy with his territory, and so on. But the, we got onto it because it said that Kitron was Tipori. And if Kitron is really Tipori, well, Tipori, why, was, uh, why would Zivulun be upset about having Tipori? If Kitron is really belongs to Zivulun, that's a good thing. That's a very, very good place. So what's the problem? If Kitron is Tzipor, you shouldn't be complaining. And we know that Kitron belonged to Zvulun, so how could he complain? Maybe he'll say that Kitron slash Tzipori doesn't have, is not flowing with milk and honey. Uh, Reish Lakish said, I saw myself, I saw the flowing of, of uh, milk and honey of Tzipori. And it was 16 mil by 16 mil. That's a very enormous area. Meaning that it had plentiful resources. So how could Zvulun complain? Maybe he'll say that he didn't have as much as his brothers, that even though he had a lot, he didn't have enough. The flowingness of milk and honey of the entire Eretz And it was like from the area which is... Uh, uh, which is Bay um, Kube is this one area to the um, to the place which is called Akradu Tulbakne, which uh, she says is the Makom Avaranar to the pla- the passage of the uh, uh, of the river that's called Tulbakne. Esrin v'tartin parsi orka uputya shita parsi. It said that length of it was twenty two par- uh, parsa and the width was six parsa. Now. Uh, uh, a parasa is four mil. So if that's the case, so that means that 22 mil is, so uh, 22 parasa is 88 uh, um, uh, mil. 
and uh, it's 88 by 24. So if that's true, 16 by 16 is a huge amount. If that's the total for the entire Eretz Israel, then 16 by 16 that Zvulun has in Sipori should not be something to complain about. Right? So it's, it's, that's quite a lot. That's quite a large percentage. So, uh, <coughs> in other words, the amount would fit all the way from uh, one area to the other, a huge, a huge area for, of Eretz Israel. Um, even all of the honey and the milk uh, combined together would fill an area that, uh, of which 16 by 16 is not a small percentage. So how could Zvulun complain? Still he was upset because he didn't have fields and vineyards. And there's a proof for that. Because right after it says that Zvulun was upset, it says Naftali had um, the raised fields. And Shemamina, you see that it was fields that he really wanted and he was upset they didn't have. It says in the Nevoah that Ekron will be uprooted. What exactly is Ekron? Which city... Uh, known in the time of Tanakh is Ekron, that Sefania the Navisa is going to be uprooted. It's okay, sorry, but Edom, this is Caesarea, the uh, daughter of Edom, meaning part of the Edomite kingdom. That it sits um, between the sands. And um, and it was a stick stuck into the Jewish people during the times of the Yavani, meaning it was a cause of great. Uh, Pain to the Jews during the time of the Yivanim, when the kingdom of the Chashmonaim uh, overthrew them, they called it the uh, uh, the uh, conquered Migdal, um, uh, is a uh, like a uh, tower, the conquered tower of song. When they finally conquered this uh, area, the Caesarea, that was su- such a cause of suffering for the Jewish people. What does it mean when it says, I will take his blood out of his mouth and his abominations from between his teeth? And it will, be, it will remain also for our God. When it says that I'm going to take the blood out of its mouth, it means this is the. This is talking about the idolatrous. Um, uh, uh, house, right? I'm going to take the abominations from between the teeth. This is another um, type of an idolatrous uh, shrine that they had that for other kinds of worship that's going to uh, be torn away from them. When it's also going to belong to our God. These are the future synagogues and places of study in Edom. In other words, that what was once a house for all of the idolatry and evil of Edom will one day be a house for the learning of Torah. And it will be like a uh, tribal leader in Yehuda, and Ekron will be like Yivusi. So Rashi says that, uh, what does it mean? So Yivusi means like, it'll be like Yerushalayim. Ekron will be like Yerushalayim. A city that was once an idolatrous city will be like Yerushalayim. Um, and it will be at Beit Talmud be Yerushalayim. It will be like a, uh, a house of study in Yerushalayim. So the... Um, uh, that's the uh, so uh, meaning that uh, they will one day take over Edom and even the places that were once our greatest enemies will become part of the Jewish nation. When it says that Ekron is going to be like Jerusalem, that means like the theaters and the circuses of Edom. These are going to become places, venues where the princes of Yehuda will teach Torah. And of course, many people pointed out that place like Madison Square Garden, which is mainly for the frivolous entertainment, became the place where the Siyum Hashas and all the Devray Torah that are taught there every time that there's a huge Torah event there. So that's a yeah, that's an example of this. Amrav Yitzchak. 
Leshem, what is this place called Leshem in the Tanakh? When we, uh, we see that Leshem was, uh, uh, belonged to the tribe of Dan, what is Leshem? Uh, in today's terms, meaning in times of the Gemara, it was called Zopamyas. This was Pamyas. Like we already saw, Caesarea is, uh, is um, Ekron. Which was the metropolis of the kings. Some say that that means that they actually raised the kings. In other words, the princes of the uh, royal family were raised there. Some say no, it means that they would choose a king from there. Not necessarily that they, uh, that the um, kids, uh, that they were grown and bred them to be kings there. But it means that that was the city from which they would always select the kings. Um... And uh, uh, in, not necessarily that they raised, like, had a special private school for the uh, princes or something like that, but just that was where they chose the kings from. Now, the Gemara says, Kesri uh, Yerushalayim, Caesarea, and, uh, and Jerusalem. If, if somebody tells you they're both destroyed, Altamin, don't believe. If he says both of them are inhabited, don't believe. In other words, if Rome is destroyed, uh, but Jerusalem could be built, or Jerusalem is built and Rome is destroyed, then time, and you could believe, Shnemar imala charava, because says that will fill up the ruin. Imleazo charivazov, imleazo charivazov, meaning if one is full, the other will be empty, if one is empty, the other one will be full, meaning to say that Jerusalem and Rome cannot coexist, so either one or the other, if one of them is standing, the other one cannot possibly be. It's exactly what Rivka hears about Yaakov and Esav, that one nation will overpower the other one, meaning one of them has to be on top. They cannot both be preeminent at the same time. What does it mean? It says that the wicked person should should have consideration. He did not learn righteousness. And... What is this referring to? So, Amar Yitzchak, Lifnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Yitzchak Avinu said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ribbono Shel Olam, Master of the World, Yuchan Esav, please be kind to Esav. Amar Lo, Rashao, Hashem said he's wicked. Amar Lo, Balamatzedek said he didn't learn. Meaning it's just a lack of knowledge, but, uh, you know, please treat him with uh, kindness and compassion. So Hashem said, Amar Lo, that Hashem's response to the suggestion is that Be'eretz Nechochot Ya'avel, He's going to destroy and distro- distort the land and do wickedness in the land of straightness. Meaning in Eretz Yisrael, he's going to destroy it. If that's true, may not see the greatness of Hashem. In other words, Yitzchak Avinu agreed that Esav should not be given any special treatment if he's eventually going to wreak havoc on Eretz Yisrael and destroy it. Furthermore said, Hashem, please don't give way don't provide the desires of the wicked. Do not take out the ring in his nose that you control him with, like the way that an animal is controlled. Um, and then it says, uh, uh, may, uh, uh, We'll get, the Gemara is going to explain what the Pasuk means. Yaakov said before Hashem, Please don't give to Esav the wicked the desires of his heart. Okay? Do not take out the nose ring that controls his movement. This is talking about Germany of Edom. Part of the Malchut Edom. Because if they did go out and they had freedom to do whatever they wanted, they would destroy the entire world. Right? So, uh, uh, so uh, 
David Melech is asking that Hashem not allow the wicked to have free reign in the world. There are three hundred uh, kings with crowns sitting in Girmamia Avedom. And there are 365 of these Marzabe, which are like uh, dukes in, uh, in Edom. And and every day they go to war against the 365 kings of Edom, the 365 dukes, uh, dukes of Edom, and the 365 kings of Girmamia, they go to war against each other. And then they have to choose another king every day. If a person tells you, If a person says, I worked very, very hard to learn, but I couldn't learn anything, don't believe him. If he says, I didn't work hard, but I learned anyway, don't believe him. If he says, I worked hard and I found, believe him. That's only in Divrei When it comes to material things in business, it's really help of heaven. It's not just your work. So when it comes to spiritual things, it's your effort. But when it comes to material things, it could be that you could work hard and not succeed. And even when it comes to Divrei Torah, that's only true about sharpening. In other words, understanding clearly. But to remember exactly what you learned, that is somewhat Siat Dishmaya. That comes from Hashem's help. So, but learning properly and clearly, that's up to you. If you see a wicked person, says Rabbi Yitzchak, that the, that the hour is smiling upon him. In other words, he's becoming very successful. Don't try to go up against him. Because it says, don't go and fight against Bamreim, against wicked people. Because, and not only that, he's going to continue to succeed. It says his action, his ways are succeeding all the time. He also will win in judgment. Because it says your, uh, your laws are, marom, are lifted up before him. In other words, they, uh, they don't even apply to him. He's able to get away with it. That even his, his enemies will fall before him. He blows down his enemies. Any is that really true? Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel, Yochai. Didn't Rabbi Yochanan say in the name of Rabbi Shmuel ben Yochai, "Mutalit kolot barishayim ba'olam azeh"? That you're allowed to fight against the wicked in this world. Shenemar ozevei Torah. Yahalu resha. Because doesn't it say that those who leave the Torah, Yahalilu, they they're going to praise the uh, uh, the person who's wicked. Ozevei Torah yahalu resha. The the wick the people who leave the Torah praise the wicked person. V'shomrei Torah yitgarubam and those who keep the Torah fight against them. That's the end of the pasuk, right? So the whole pasuk is Those who leave the Torah praise the wicked. But those who keep the Torah fight against them. So what does that show you? You're supposed to fight against them. It says in the writer, It's permitted to uh, fight against and to contend with the wicked in this world. As it says, um, and really according to the Bach, it should quote the pasuk again. And if a person will whisper to you, the pasuk that we mentioned in the beginning, that Rabbi Yitzchak brought in the beginning, don't fight against the wicked and don't start to get zealous, act zealously against those who do wickedness. Only somebody who's unsure of himself, who's doubting himself, who thinks that he's done too many sins to be worthy of fighting against the wicked would say that, right? Um, because... Uh, uh, but what it means is, uh, What does that pasuk say? It doesn't mean don't fight against them. But in that case, 
litchorot um, is like to compete against them. Don't compete against them and don't be jealous of them. Al tikanebo seavla doesn't mean don't fight against them and be zealous fighting. It means don't be jealous and say, oh, they're getting away with everything. I wish I could be wicked too. That's what you shouldn't do. But fight against them, yes, you should. But the question is, um, so, it, so, so therefore we have a contradiction because Rabbi Yitzchak said, steer clear. If a person is wicked and they're succeeding, steer clear of them. Don't get involved. But Rabbi Yochanan said, no, you're supposed to fight against them. You're supposed to get involved and not be worried. And so what does the Gemara say? It depends. If you're fighting against them about a personal matter, so then you might lose. If you're doing it the Shem Shemayim, then you should fight. That's the first answer. Both are talking about personal matters. It depends who you are. If you're a complete Tzadik, then you can be sure that you'll prevail over the Rasha. And, and, and you don't have to worry about fighting against them. But if it's a matter where you're not the complete Tzadik, you can't be sure that you're going to prevail against him and you should be worried about the fact that he's so successful because maybe it means you will fall before him too. Why does it say, and what does it mean in the puzzle when it says, why do you look as the, the uh, treacherous people um, are, you know, are, are acting treacherously, and you're silent. When the wicked person swallows up somebody who's a greater Tzadik, Tzadik Mimenu Bolea, he can swallow up a tzaddik who's greater, more of a tzaddik than him. Tzaddik mimenu. Right? But tzaddik gamor eno bolea. But somebody who's a perfect tzaddik would not be swallowed up by the wicked. He wouldn't have to worry about anything. It could be that we forget about all of these answers. In other words, even if you're a tzaddik gamor, and no matter what you're dealing with, if you're facing someone who's been very successful in the recent past, he's on a roll, he has momentum, you should steer clear of the wicked person during that time. And the other time, you should fight against him. You should oppose him. You should try to stop him. But when he's on a roll of being very successful, you should steer clear no matter what. This is Italy that belongs to Greece. It was the biggest city of Rome. It had 365 um, marketplaces. Like the days of the year, and the smallest one was where they sold birds. They sold chickens or birds. It was sixteen mil by sixteen mil, which is a very very large area. And every day the king would eat in one of these uh, one of these marketplaces every single day. There were three hundred and sixty five of them, uh, and the person who is born there. Uh, so the person who lives there, even though he wasn't born there, he gets a handout from the king's palace. If somebody was born there, even though he doesn't currently live there, it's kind of like uh, if you have citizenship in America, you get, your, uh, you get your social security and things like that, even if you don't live there. Uh, if you were born there and you live abroad, you're still considered a citizen. And uh, if you live there, even though you're born abroad, you can also benefit once you've moved in legally and become an immigrant, you also benefit from whatever is being given by the government, right? So that's that's the same idea, that they, were, they gave a lot of wealth to their, uh, to their citizens. And then it says, Ushloshet alafim There were 3,000 bathhouses. Yeshboa. 500 windows allowed the smoke from the bathhouses to waft up past the wall. Uh, one side of the city was is an ocean. One side is mountains and hills. One has a, an iron wall. One of them is, one of them is, the, uh, is the beach. 
uh, embankment that uh, creates that fourth wall or with with sand and gravel and uh, not not necessarily beach meaning um, meaning that there's water but meaning like uh, sand and gravel and uh, and so on is uh, and Mitzula is is yeah there's also water there but the chulsit doesn't is like a, is like a gravel. And uh, and sand that is uh, that is built up to protect that side of the city, and then you have uh, flowing water. So basically, you have no. Uh, it's a very well protected city, is the point of it. A very wealthy and well protected city with uh, tons of luxury and so on. And uh, that's the description that the Gemara gives of people who are wicked, but they are succeeding and they are expanding and they are living in the lap of luxury. Um, in this kind of situation. And of course, as the Chazal often say, if this is what the wicked are able to get in this world, imagine what the righteous deserve to receive for all of the good that they do.